Hit it, Phil. Can it be the breeze that fills the trees with rare and magic perfume? Oh, no. It isn't the breeze. It's Jackson time. Here we go. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. We are here with Kathy Fuller-Seeley. We are here with uh, Terry Phillips. And uh, and we're here with John Henderson. Hello. Um, I, I'll talk about this on air, whatever. It doesn't matter. I should have talked about this ahead of time. I was thinking, I was watching, a, a, I'm trying to line up the beginning show. So we're going we're gonna to always have, chronologically, try and feature every Jack Benny appearance that he had. So sometimes they're not going to be on the actual Jack Benny show. In this case, this is an episode, very rare episode we're presenting today. Um, I, I wouldn't even had access to it more than a year ago, and, and it's a fun episode. So we'll talk all about that. But I was just thinking how we go around, and I just kind of say everybody as I introduce them each week. I was watching um, uh, one coming up here is is what's my line, and uh, that Jack appears on that we'll be sharing when we get to that. But I kind of like the way they introduce each other. And what's my line? Where it's where they introduce the first person, and then, and then that person says, "And the person on my left is so and so, and my that person on my left is so and so." They just introduce each other as they go, and I thought, "Well, we'll have to try that someday and introduce <laughs> each other." But the problem is, we appear differently on each other's yeah. screen, so we're going to be saying the person below me, and, and it won't be the person <laughs> below you. <laughs> the person somewhere on the screen right now is so and so. But uh, Terry has uh, an announcement to make. Terry, why don't you tell us about the, the newest show? Well, after a fairly long hiatus, we're back with more, another episode of Imaginaire Theater. Uh, it will probably come out this weekend if you're listening um, in uh, mid-November. It'll be out either the 20th or 21st, I believe, of yeah. uh, this month. And it's called The Woke Detective. Okay. That's a, that is an intriguing title. I can't wait to, to listen to that. Uh, I just love how your shows are um, reminiscent of radio shows, what they were, in, in, you know, in in history, but they are they're very current. They're very uh, the the thought the the writing you, you've decided to go with is is a very current take on things that. You would never hear an old-time radio show because a lot of these things you're mentioning didn't even exist. So that's really cool. All right. Well, uh, I can't wait for that. Let's, uh, John. Uh, we haven't talked about your shows in a while or anything. You got any new things going on or? Well, I did a, a two-year project where I was doing the old-time radio shows from the Bible, and I'm wrapping that up in the next couple of months. And then after that, we're approaching my 39th birthday. So I'm excited about that. Wow, good for you. Good for you. Yeah, um, I'm on my, I don't know, 25th, 39th birthday or something like that. So, really, <laughs> so we'll be the same age. That'll be cool, John. <laughs> I'm just a little a little more haggard for my age than you are. I don't know. <laughs> Kathy, you got anything new coming on? Or? Uh, no, it's exciting to hear that um, the Jack Benny, International Jack Benny Fan Club is uh, proposing uh, another uh, Benny convention in February uh, 2023. Um, uh, contributors are coming up with wonderful things, and I hope we'll this group will come up with a great idea for contributing to it too. So I hope so too. That would be great. Okay, and we will. We'll come up with something. So um, 
already have something in mind, so it's all good. Well, let's get on to this episode. So this uh, episode uh, is known as the 60-piece orchestra episode. So uh, it's a got a spoiler built in the title. You are going to see a 60-piece orchestra at one point, um, which is fun. Uh, I, I, we'll just go around the horn and see what people thought about it. I really enjoyed it. it it's not... Um, I'll warn you right now, the video quality of this episode is not that great. But like I say always, I'm happy to get these episodes in any kind of quality. Some, well, certainly we presented one recently that was all we had really was audio of parts of it and things. But what we have is what we have. So, uh, Terry, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, first, I guess we should say that this was broadcast originally on January the 25th of uh, 1953, mm -hmm. and uh, there wasn't a lot of television in early 1953, but this was a real standout program because, of course, Jack Benny was one of the most, if not the most uh, famous and admired of television, or sorry, radio uh, performers but had started to make his mark in tv and so i don't know what the ratings were maybe kathy can tell us but i'll bet it had a pretty good share of the audience yeah I would um, think so. as i was listening to this a couple of things jumped out at me one was i don't know why i never thought of this before but there are only two people i can think of in history who became famous for the way they pronounced the word well and one was Jack Benny, and the other was Ronald Reagan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, this episode had a lot of stock references, his age, his cheapness, uh, playing the violin. And as we've talked about in the past, even though these were not new ideas, they still made us laugh. We Every time he opened the door to one of these it just made us giggle because we knew what was coming, and that was part of his brilliance. Um, speaking of the violin, um, Jack Benny, again, was one of only, in this case, three comics I can think of, comedians, who were also excellent musicians. Uh, the other two, well, actually, I should say there were three others because two were brothers. The Smothers Brothers, excellent mm -hmm. musicians, and Victor Borga, a fantastic pianist. Yeah. who made a career making fun of, of playing the piano and telling jokes while playing the piano. Yeah. Um, there's a reference here that some people might not get. Um, at one point, uh, someone mentions the name Vera Zorina. I don't know how many people will know that name today, but she was a very famous uh, ballerina. Uh, this was when, well, I don't want to say too much about when this happens, but anyway, it, it comes out. At one point, she was also, by the way, married to George Balanchine. So she was, you know, the ballerina of ballerinas uh, in the 1950s and, and before. Uh, the last note that I have here is, well, uh, this there's no point in, in hiding the fact that Jack Benny, as many of us already know, really was a terrific violinist. And I've, I've known that for a long time. I didn't know it as well as I saw it in this episode. Agreed. If this was the only part of if if they'd left out everything else, all the jokes, the storylines and everything, and if the only thing we saw was Jack Plenty, Benny playing violin, it was worth every every um, minute and every dollar that they put into producing this thing. It was fantastic. Yes. Uh, and at this time, I think people didn't realize how good of a player he was. Um this is right at the time, and who knows, he could have 
been thinking about this show in the back of his mind too but this is right around the time when he really started practicing again really started putting effort into it uh for a number of years you know maybe a couple three years before this or something i can't remember he does say in one of his interviews or his book or something like when he got back into playing every day practicing every day uh and a long time i think he said he was practicing sometimes three hours a day and, and that sort of yeah johnny carson yeah. once asked him on the tonight show whether he practiced and jack said johnny you have to practice the violin just to be lousy <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's right and so so he said that that uh he really improved his violin playing over doing that and then he really showed it to us uh he's really quite good um anyway the uh kathy what, what do you have for us Oh, well, I was really, thank you. I'd never been able to, I'd never seen this episode before. Yeah. So it was wonderful to experience it. I, I believe um, that it was a live show. So we've got a kinescope of yep. it here. And I was really struck by how very early TV-ish that opening scene in the dressing room looks so much like the October 1950s first television show. Yeah. So while I know this was done in Los Angeles, uh, the, I felt really early television there, and when they moved to the um, uh, the scene with the orchestra, though, I I saw another uh, element of television of growing into the big spectacles. So I, I enjoyed both of that. At the end, I'll, I found an original review of uh, the show from Variety because Jack was only in 1953. I think he was only on about eight or nine times a year. And um, and so uh, the uh, TV industry uh, considered every one of these a special. So just as you say, um, uh, 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 viewership would have been really high. Andy gets the special treatment of reviews of individual shows that won't happen when he's on e every week. And um, they're very they the critics love this show. And I'll talk in a little bit about why. Uh, okay. So, but Fantastic. I want to hear from Jeff. Yeah, so so I, let me. I'm going to dovetail on something you said, though. You talked about the beginning and, and and its look. The thing that struck me at the beginning was Rochester, and his coat that was the exact same pattern as his shirt. So it it, it was a strange looking outfit. But I thought that that looks like an expensive outfit, actually. It's so like that's that's nice. That's nicer than than Jack usually wears. But it doesn't really work for today. You wouldn't have a matching. It looks like almost like a sci-fi. Whenever you see sci-fi, they like try and do something different with a suit. There's no collar. There's something different about it. And so it just struck me as one of those sci-fi type of suits. But anyway, over to John. What did you think, John? Yeah. I, well, I love all of these early episodes of Jack Benny when they're looking so young and they've got the, the right amount of energy and everything like that. But I'd never seen this episode. And I've always read, you know, the list of episodes. And this is right towards the beginning. So it's like, oh, 60 piece orchestra. I wonder what that's like. And I've never been able to see it till now. So that this was very exciting. I loved it. I like how on the Jack Benny show, both the radio show and here on the television show, he's talking about putting on a show and there's a lot of like backstage stuff and he mentions things that are happening on the show but then we never see that like the <laughs> bird flies down on his head or whatever he references yeah. and there's this is just they're really good especially in these early days of television at pulling the best parts of the radio show with like you know the format of having an interviewer interviewing jack Benny, and some of the best jokes 
and uh, you know what he was doing on stage. I'm sure he did some of this violin stuff on stage. If not now, eventually he would, because I've seen some of the uh, recordings and uh, and I heard him talk about it. And he says that he is okay at the violin. He can pass at the violin, but sometimes he's doing 60% and he's just faking the rest, you know? And I feel like in this episode, if you watch it, you'll be blown away. But then if you think very carefully, you'll notice he is maybe cutting some corners or maybe like there's a second violinist that's sort of helping him out, filling the blanks a little bit. I don't know, but you might want to, you know. Well, well, out. okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, so, but, but the whole scene with the orchestra and the, you know, the way that he does it, it's very, it almost, like he almost pulls it off that it's totally unplanned because he seems genuinely surprised by all these hilarious things that are happening. I guess I won't spoil it, but it was great. That's and great. I, I always love Don Wilson. I love the Don Wilson bit. And even like leading up to it where, you know, he's, he's saying, I don't want to do that. The kind of thing that he does on the radio show. I just think that he, his delivery is perfect. He's not trying to, even when he's doing something that's totally Don centric, it seems like he's not trying to steal the scene but he's just going along with things. And that's what makes him so likable. Excellent. I, I agree with all that. And, and I did probably of all the episodes that I can think of, and there's gotta be another standout one somewhere. Um, I love Don Wilson. I love Don, just what he does, what he brings to the show, what he brings to the radio show, what he brings to the television show. But this one gives a nice little spotlight to him that you just don't see in many episodes. And I just loved it. And it was funny and I laughed and his whole thing about where he's angry with Jack because Jack's forcing him to do something always seems kind of strained or whatever. This one just seemed right on the money. I, I would be <laughs> complaining about this one left and right. And, and his outfit they picked, picked, they got for him was just fantastic. Terry, you wanted to throw something. And he's a good dancer. Yes. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> that made it even funnier is that he was actually pretty good and he didn't like halfway I and mean, that looked like him really trying to pull off that dance and, and yeah. it worked. It was, great. <laughs> it was great. And then the other person that we I need to mention on here because uh, she was only on four of the television shows but she was on a ton of the radio shows is Sarah Burner and uh, she does a just a, a great job whenever she's on the radio. It's fun to see her in the television show and what endears her to me even more is uh, whenever we do recreations, John's wife does her part and she just does a beautiful send up of Sarah Burner. Really, I sometimes think if I compared John's wife to Sarah Burner and their performance of the nasal songstress, I, I couldn't tell the difference. I mean, she's his, his wife nails it so well. So, sorry, oh, uh, uh, Daryl, I might have misled you. Did you think that that was Sarah Burner playing the interviewer? No. Oh, okay. Because that was that was Alex Talton. No, no, sir. So then I have to different... confess, I didn't see her in this. Oh, maybe, maybe she was. Maybe she was, she was in the Fred Allen. Um, you guys were supposed to correct me on these. Uh, sorry, she was in the the Bogart episode that we'll be talking about later. Oh, she was in Bogart. Okay, well, we'll get there. So yeah. forget about what I said about Sarah Burner. I'll probably just I'll probably, probably cut out this part and move it over. But well, we shall see. But anyway, let's get on to the review that that. Uh, well, we well, as I said, I'm always fascinated by trying to get a snippet of the past and how, especially Benny's shows were understood at the time, uh, because sometimes we have rather different opinions 
um, today. And so um, the reviewer from Variety said, monthly viewers of Jack Benny's television program have come to expect surprises. To him, the best format is no format at all. And no better proof of this reasoning was needed than yesterday's offbeat display of comedy and musicianship. That it lacked the usual cargo of laughs detracted little from the high qualitative level of his past offerings. His best it may not have been, but entertaining it was. From the onset, it was a buildup for Benny's appearance before a 60-piece symphony orchestra as violin soloist. Alex Talton from Pictures set the scene by interviewing the comedian about his career in show business. Save for a few extraneous bits, such as Don Wilson's doing a ballet dance as a tobacco leaf for the mid-commercial and fiddles broken overhead, all lines led to Benny's concertizing. The laughs were sporadic because of the show's main theme, but when come they did, they crescendoed into howls, especially Wilson's turn when he called silly and may not have been far wrong. The sight of the bulky announcer dancing on his toes was evocative despite the evident detachment. Once before the 60 music stand fronted by Malin Merrick, Benny in serious mane stroked a chorus of love and bloom and then raced through a fast concert number reserved for such masters as Chrysler and Heifetz. It was all done without the usual humorous asides, and to the untrained ear, it came off as an acceptable rendition. But he couldn't resist Love and Bloom, and back he segued to it. For Benny, it was the longest serious segment in his two years of televising. He must have proven beyond reasonable doubt that he could really play the fiddle, although many must have assumed the concert piece was dubbed, which it, this reviewer was assured it wasn't. Benny gambled on this innovation and broke better than even. So um, again, I'm I'm tickled that reviewers of the time um, really noted what we have that um, uh, uh, that Benny never had a set sitcom formula in this show, and especially because he's now only going to be on once a month, that he takes these opportunities to always change it up, to do a before the show and after the show, a skit with a um, a special guest or something like this with a, a concert orchestra. Yeah. So. Um Great, thank you for sharing that, that's delightful. Uh, uh, the other thing I wanted to point out, I was thinking that I wanted to say was, the young man who played Jack as a young, as, as a young violin, when he was, he really looked like a young Jack. I was very yeah, impressed with how close he looked to Jack. And then the, the middle of the road Jack, the 20 year old Jack, whatever he was, completely look he was the most handsome jack i've ever seen and it wasn't it didn't look anything like also he was tall it seemed like it was like wait a minute that is and they both him. seem to be competent at least playing the violin yes yeah. the kid would seem more competent than the than the the yeah. guy the, the, the yeah. 20 year old guy you can kind of tell he was like not really doing parts of it and things i mean he he got the they w really worked with him probably on the upstroke and downstroke getting those in the right spots and that was good but the kid looked like he was actually doing the thing, and I I was impressed. Um, yeah, and and it's, well, it's, it's kind of sad how many violins were broken in this performance. But that's just to make they, they went I'm to sure the dollar store. <laughs> or went Stradivari. <laughs> John, you were going to say something? Going to mention the smashing because it's sort of a surprise. Oh, uh, but yeah, since, well. the since the reviewer mentioned it, anyways, I got to say. When we cut to Jack after the smash, you can see he's just trying to hold it together, which is one of the fun things about live performances, where they're just, like, breaking or trying not to break. Yes, yes. So just a delightful episode all the way around. And 
uh, I, I'm really glad that they pointed out because I was thinking the same thing. This is a more normal episode. This is not, there's no huge guest stars. There's no, uh, yeah, there's no Marilyn Monroe here. There's nothing like that. And and I look forward to those episodes, watching those almost more sometimes than the star vehicles. So it's neat that they have these interspersed and and to have this one where he plays the violin so well, as Terry was saying, you just, uh, I've always wanted to see that. And I, I do have, I, I've got to dig around. I, they, he did a performance in 1961, let's say, and uh, they filmed the whole, th it, it, it was more or less his bit where he'd go around to all the different orchestras and perform and, and raise tons of money, saved so many orchestras across the country. He'd donate all the, all the, all the money that they, they would generate uh, when he would come and play. And this is a filmed, it looks like a filmed piece of that pretty much. Um, I, I want to say there there was a floating around like whole performance of the thing, and then there was an edited down one. I definitely have the edited down one, but I think I may have the whole performance as well. We'll see when we get to that time frame. We'll play that for you. But that's the pretty impressive piece too, because by that time he'd been playing another seven or eight years and even gotten better. So uh, uh, it's quite good. But uh, uh, anyway, I'll let, we'll let you enjoy the show. Uh, anybody else have any last things that we forgot in this one or anything? I think we're good. We're good. All right. Well, enjoy, and we'll see you guys next time. From Television City in Hollywood, we bring you the Jack Benny program, presented by Lucky Strike. In Boston, they say it this way. For my part, I've always been a lucky smoker. They taste clean. And now I know the reason. In New Orleans, it sounds like this. I smoke Lucky's because they taste fresher. Now I know the reason for that. While around Seattle, you're apt to hear, I like Lucky's because they taste smoother. And I can show you why. Yes, wherever you go, smokers recognize this as the symbol of better taste in a cigarette. Why? Because this firm, perfect cylinder of fine tobacco means Lucky Strike is made better to taste better. Notice how it holds its shape, without crumbling and without loose ends to spoil the taste. That's why Lucky's taste cleaner. And Lucky's are fully packed with long strands of fresh, good-tasting tobacco. And every pack of Lucky's is extra tightly sealed to keep that fresher taste. That's why Lucky's taste fresher. You can tell a Lucky every time by its fine, naturally mild tobacco. And by the way that tobacco is firmly packed, but perfectly shredded to always draw freely and smoke evenly. That's why Lucky's tastes smoother. Yes, friends, you can tell by Lucky's rich aroma that Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. And you can see for yourself, Lucky's are made better to taste better. So? For a cleaner smoke, a fresher smoke, a smoother smoke, make your next carton Lucky Strike. Be happy, go lucky, and enjoy a better tasting cigarette. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am, I'll tell him. Uh, he ought to be back here in the dressing room in a few minutes. Goodbye.
I want a real story about your career. I'd like to capture the true feelings of a man who's, who's been as successful as you are as a comedian. Well... Uh, it must be a great satisfaction for you to, to have reached the fulfillment of your life's ambition. My life's ambition? Yes, you must be an extremely happy man. Miss Bronson, I've never told this to anyone before. But being a comedian was not my life's ambition. And it has not brought me happiness. What? Well, what does a comedian leave to posterity? Here I am, going on court. <laughs> what, what have I done that the world will remember? But Mr. Benny, you pursued a career that's brought you phenomenal success. Oh, Miss Bronson, I mean, success doesn't always bring a man happiness. But your success has brought you such fame. Well, even fame doesn't always bring you happiness. But, Mr. Benny, look at all the money you've made. Miss Bronson, money doesn't... Miss <laughs> <laughs> Bronson, deep, real deep down, I consider myself a failure. You a failure? Yeah. Why, what did you want to be? I want to be what I started out to be. A concert violinist. <laughs> a concert violinist? Yes. But, Mr. Binney, are you really sincere? Sincere? Why, Miss Bronson, I can remember many years ago when I was a child back in Waukegan. And I remember when I was six years old, I had already taken up the violin. And even at that tender age, I knew what I wanted to be. And I used to practice hour after hour. And I let nothing, nothing take me away from my violin. Wilson. Oh, I thought it was Vera's arena. 
Oh, How do you do? Oh, Jack, this is most embarrassing. It isn't embarrassing, oh. Don. This is very, very clever. Now, look at it. Do you mind, Don, I want her to go right on the stage. Do you mind if we rehearse it here? Oh, no, no, no. Now, look at it. Now, Don, let's, I'll put on the record, and I want you to do it just the way we're... Now, don't be embarrassed. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Oh, all right. Now, here, I'll put on the record. And, uh, Miss, you know, I wrote this. I wrote this myself, you know. And, Miss Brunson, you see, Don represents a tobacco leaf who lives in Goldsboro, North Carolina. Now, let's get acquainted with this happy little tobacco leaf. I want to read you what I wrote here. Now, one day, this little tobacco leaf heard that auctioneers from the American Tobacco Company, makers of Lucky Strike, were coming to Goldsboro, which made her very happy. <laughs> because she knew that she would be selected to go to the big factory in the city because she was so round, so firm, and so full of hands. Now one day, this little leaf that was so light and naturally mild was romping through the tobacco field. Suddenly, her little heart skipped a beat. Now, the reason her little heart skipped a beat was because she heard the mating call. L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. say so myself, my tone and my technique had improved tremendously. So then I was, of course, more determined than ever that nothing could keep me away from being a concert artist. Nothing.
was uh, blowing up my violin, I enlisted in the Navy. And then four years later, when I got out of the service, I was sidetracked into vaudeville and then radio and, of course, and then television. Mr. Penny, you used the word sidetrack. Yes, Miss Bronson, because I am firmly convinced that if I had continued my career as a violinist, that today, instead of walking out on the stage and telling silly jokes and being a clown and a buffoon, that I could be a concert violinist playing with a symphony orchestra directed maybe by someone like Toscanini or Stokowski. Yeah, I can see it now. You just see 3,000 people jammed in the Philharmonic Auditorium. The orchestra is already on the stage.
friends. In cigarette, it's the taste that makes the difference. And Lucky's are made better to taste better. Cleaner, fresher, smoother. Cleaner? Yes, indeed. When you take the paper off a Lucky Strike, it remains a perfect cylinder of fine tobacco without annoying loose ends to spoil the taste. Fresher, of course. Lucky's long strands of fresh, mild, good-tasting tobacco are made into a cigarette that's round, firm, and fully packed to give you a fresh-tasting smoke. And smoother, you bet. Lucky's fine tobacco is firmly packed, yet perfectly shredded to draw freely and smoke evenly. So remember, friends, for a cleaner, fresher, smoother smoke, you just be happy. Go Lucky and make your cigarette Lucky Strike. Thank you very, very much. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you notice I had a 60-piece symphony orchestra there. You see, at $100 a man, that's $6,000. So don't call me cheap. <laughs> of course, I got a little of the money back because I rented them their tuxedos. <laughs> but I, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce a very dear friend of mine who's backstage and who starts her own, and a very fine actress too, by the way, who starts her own television show next Sunday. And I'd like to have you meet Miss Ann Southern. I do want to congratulate you. And you know, Ann does her first show for the uh, next Sunday for the American Tobacco Company for Lucky Strikes. And it's a, um, it's uh, a situation comedy called Private Secretary. <laughs> That's right, Jack. Well, tell us, tell us something about the show. Well, it is a situation comedy, Jack, as you said. And it goes on this network at the same time, um, three Sundays out of every four. Mm -hmm. Now you see, I'm on three Sundays in a row and then you're on every fourth Sunday. Now, now you know that, don't you? Yes, my sponsor's lawyer made that very clear. <laughs> As for the show itself, I play a, a private secretary to a big talent star, you see. And I'm always getting into trouble. Oh, well, that sounds good. You know, Anne, I'm going to be on a guest on one of your shows. Oh, you are? Well, I'm in trouble already. <laughs> well, you see how it works out? <laughs> Say, Ann, I must, I have a little confession to make to you, that since I have played this number with the symphony well, orchestra, did you like yes, it? Well, thank you. But since I did, I've sort of been thinking it over, and I don't know, it, 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 uh, maybe if I had become a concert violinist, I wouldn't have had success and made any money or had a beautiful home in Beverly Hills mm -hmm. or a swimming pool. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should just remain a comedian, huh? Yes, well, maybe, yes. yes. Well, then, do you mind? Well, not at all, Jack.
television stations, Lucky Strike will present Private Secretary starring Ann Souther. Jack Benny program has been brought to you by Lucky Strike, product of the American tobacco company, America's leading manufacturer of cigarettes. This is the Top Variety, Toast of the Town on the CBS television network.